Christchurch, New Malden, 15th of March 2020, 11 o'clock service. Tim Davis speaking in the series, Lent 2020, Carbon Fast for Creation. Vegan, a big missed steak. So yeah, food week. Um, food, I have to say, was not really a subject I was looking forward to speaking on as part of our Lent 2020, Carbon Fast for Creation. Um, you know, we all know we need to reduce the carbon footprint that we leave behind on this earth. We, we all know that we ideally need to use less fuel, less energy. We need to recycle more. We need to stop using produce and products with single-use plastic. It's a vital message that we hear repeatedly and you know, significantly in this um, course of Lent. And so we know, too, that we also probably need to change our eating habits and diets. But it's just that food is such an emotive subject. Yet we get uncomfortable hearing sermons on money and giving often. But I reckon having a sermon challenging us on our food intake is probably not too far behind in terms of topics people don't really want to feel too challenged on. Uh, food is a very personal thing for a lot of us. You know, and being asked to consider changing our eating habits can be quite unnerving. Um, people can be worried about the financial impact of having to change how they shop. They may have dietary requirements, limiting how much change they can make. There are people with particular taste preferences, or children in households, or maybe adults as well, who are not necessarily fussy eaters, but just having not quite as broad a range of taste. Um, and they often insist on a very select range of foods to eat. And it may just be that you know, the convenience or just the accessibility of going to the nearest shop, which doesn't happen to be the most sustainable supermarket of all, is the reality. And yet despite that, the role that food, and in particular the production of it, plays in contributing to the rise of carbon emissions and damage to our, to our planet, is when on we simply can't afford to or choose to ignore. So sorry, it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable this morning. Um, and if you feel like I'm trying to ruin your enjoyment of your Sunday lunch or Sunday dinner later, it's really not my intention, sorry. I'm hoping that actually you know, we'll feel positive and excited about food by the end of this. But let's see how we get on. Um, so why don't we start with looking at just why we have a problem. I'm sorry for those who can't quite see this. It's more just a summary of something. But by 2050, by 2050... According to some estimates, the number of mouths to feed on Earth will potentially have exceeded 9.7 billion, nearly 10 billion people on Earth. And to feed all of humanity, according to uh, research done by the World Resources Institute, we will need to produce 56% more food than we currently do. The problem is we have to do this whilst avoiding deforestation. Nearly a quarter of global greenhouse gas emissions come from agriculture and forestry and other land use. And so rather than making more space and using more land to produce food, we actually need to do the opposite. And as incomes rise globally, people will increasingly consume more resource-intensive, animal-based foods. The climate crisis is not going to help. Pests will multiply as temperatures rise. Floods, droughts, and extreme weather conditions will lead to the ravaging of crops. And desertification is going to take large bites 
out of currently available arable land. But food, come on, food, glorious food. We, we just want more and more of it. It's constantly on the television. There are endless hours of food programs to tempt and tantalize our taste buds. Back in 2014, the Daily Mail did an audit of the number of hours of cookery programs on our television. And they looked across the whole of cable and satellite. And it was over 430 hours in one week of food-related cookery programs. That's 18 days of television you've got to try and fit into one week if you wanted to watch it all. Food. It's, we want it on demand. We've got used to it. We, we don't think seasonally as much. We want to try out all the new restaurants that come up. We want more and more delicious meat. I know I do sometimes. And we can just get obsessed with food. The problem is, we just can't sustain this demand unless we are prepared to make drastic changes or suffer the potential drastic consequences. Uh, now, the, the title that Stephen had given this talk was uh, Vegan, a Big Mistake, Honk. Um, but now, relax. Um, I'm not going to tell everyone that they have to go vegan, okay? Um, but I'm also not going to shy away from highlighting just what a problem our consumption of meat, and in particular, ruminant meat. That's meat which comes from animals which are able to acquire nutrients from plant-based food. So our beef, our lamb, our goats. Consumption of ruminant meat is projected to rise as much as 88% between 2010 and 2050. Beef and the most commonly consumed ruminant meat, um, which is beef, it's resource intensive to produce. To give a statistical comparison, it requires 20 times more land and emits 20 times more greenhouse gases per gram of edible protein than common plant proteins, such as beans, peas, and lentils. To get the same nutritional benefit requires 20 times more land and emits 20 times more greenhouse gases. That reading that we had from Isaiah and I chose, I'm sorry, it's a pretty gloomy one. I'm not going to um, pretend otherwise. But it shows the consequences of not caring for God's creation and instead becoming self-indulgent and greedy. Uh, in the creation story um, and from the reading we have in Genesis, we see that God created man and woman and gave them, us, autonomy over the whole of creation. Genesis 1 says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. More on that in a moment. But we were given this bountiful creation to sustain all life. And yet we end up in this situation where land is intensively over-farmed to satisfy our need for food on demand, to satisfy taste preferences rather than calorie needs. 
and to maximize profit above all else. In the time of Isaiah, the land of Israel was seen as a gift from God. It was one that was to be held in trust by each family. And yet the rich would often try and get around this requirement and dispossess people, particularly the poor people of their land. We saw greed leading to a perversion of moral law. But God, via the prophet Isaiah, warns that this will lead to ruin. And it's one which is even more pertinent to us today, perhaps, than it was thousands of years ago. The dispossession of land for indigenous people is far greater today than it was back then. And the intensive use of land is one which we know is causing problems for all the world. This creation that God gave us. Our self-indulgence is something that goes against God's plan for creation. Isaiah warned that those who pay attention only to their own desires for wealth, pleasure, and entertainment, and have no time for the Creator and His work, will be deprived of those very things as exile and death come upon them. Food is an issue that we can't ignore. But food is something that is essential to our lives. It's, it's something that is so worrying to think about, you know, not having enough of it. These past two weeks have just been crazy in the UK. People have started stockpiling food and toiletries because they worry about having to restrict their movements for up to two weeks. And worry about not having enough food in the cupboard. They worry about there therefore being food shortages. And so they panic by now and stockpile more than is all necessary. And of course, the irony being that by doing that, to avoid there being less food later on, they're actually hastening food shortages in the immediate term. And I think if you're honest, if you're someone who can afford to stockpile food, you're probably someone who's not going to be at risk of going without if you need to stop going to the shops yourself for a few days. But let's try and be positive for a change. Um, let's try and think about what we can do about this problem of food and the impact on the planet. Um, so when I was writing this talk, um, this talk, I was thinking I'd try and write down some suggestions, some ones, you know, I was, I was willing to go radical here sometimes, um, because you know, it's sometimes the unexpected suggestions that bring about the most amazing solutions. And so these are my carbon-lowering, food-enjoying, radical-thinking, awesome solutions to how we might tackle the problem of food impact on our world. The first one was this. Kill two billion people. You're, you're a bit more receptive than 9.30 were. I can see, yeah. That's telling. Um, yeah, we have a food crisis mainly because there is overpopulation in this world. It's an extreme measure, but tackling it might just help. Uh, but I realized that the possible problem with that was um, it's murder. Uh, and therefore, you know, it's wrong. And it's just not justifiable. Um, yes. Overpopulation is an issue, and it's one which governments are, across the world, taking steps to reverse and looking to address. It's not something that necessarily you and I can take ownership over. But I thought I'd uh, come up with another one. So my next one was this. Um, let's watch the film Interstellar by Christopher Nolan. Uh, for those of you unfamiliar with it, 
Uh, Interstellar is a great film about a bunch of people who go into the far reaches of our galaxy and beyond uh, to try and discover planets capable of sustaining life because basically, and it's only a few years and a few decades in the future, uh, basically the Earth has become unsustainable, crops don't grow anymore and we're doomed. This could be a brilliant kind of like guide to how we're going to make it. Uh, the problem with that, however, um, which I found is that uh, it's a film and it's science fiction and it's not actually true. Uh, and it assumes that you know, just diving into a black hole has no negative bad consequences whatsoever. That said, great film. Um, my third solution was this one. I thought we'd get a bit more realistic. No, let's enforce a strict diet on every person in the world. If we all have to eat the same foods and the same quantities, we'll probably be all right. Um, but I realised the problem with that was that's just really boring. Food is there to be enjoyed. We have so much of this, such variety. We don't need to limit ourselves to a different, to like a dozen different food types and tastes. Uh, plus, we'll basically kill anybody with food allergies to any of that stuff who might be affected by my fascistic diet regime. So that idea didn't really help either. Um, so I thought I'd give it one more try. I thought, why don't, why don't I try suggesting to do everything in my power, everything in our power, to take action. No matter how small, that can change the way I, that we, approach food and reduce its impact on this world, on God's creation, now and for the future. And I thought, are there any problems with doing that? No. Is it that simple? And if I'm honest, we all want to make a difference. And yet when you think about food, it's this enormity. It's something which is prevalent throughout our lives and the whole world. It seems that will anything I do actually really make any difference? But actually, that's not the case. And one of the first things we can do is get serious about shifting to healthier, more sustainable diets. And we're going to have a little help from... Uh, some Americans in this little video clip now. Whilst that may be an American-based video, the message is just as relevant to us. We may not eat as much beef as our American cousins, but the message is just as relevant to us. Could you eat less meat? Unless you're a vegetarian or vegan, I imagine we probably all could. As that clip suggests, why not start by reducing portion size? We need to stop seeing meat as our primary food source, and instead, more of a secondary one. God told us to care for creation, and originally, as we heard in that reading from Genesis, gave us every plant-based food to eat. We were designed to be originally vegetarian. After the flood, God told Noah and his family that they could now eat animals. But this was after the flood. You know, there probably wasn't enough surviving vegetation for them to eat. So these guys were going to starve if they didn't supplement their diet with some of the animals they'd carried around with them on the ark. But the key word there is supplement. Another thing we can think of doing is reducing our food waste. Approximately a quarter of food produced for human consumption goes uneaten. 
loss and waste occurs all along the food chain, from field through to fork. We need to make best use of how we prepare and use food. It could mean serving smaller portions, if you think some might go uneaten. It can mean using every part of a vegetable rather than just a small part of it. Another thing you can do is make sure that you reduce your use of single-use plastic in the way you eat food and deal with food. This might mean replacing cling film with things such as Covermate, these brilliant reusable covers for food. Or when you get plastic cutlery in restaurants and takeaway shops, don't bin it and throw it away after usage, but clean it, take it away with you, reuse it. And so the next time you buy a salad from Pret or something, you don't need to use single-use cutlery. Use that again. A great way, and this is what I particularly enjoy for my own personal preference, uh, to enjoy food but act responsibly, is to try and seek out restaurants that partner with the Sustainable Restaurant Association when you choose to eat out. These are restaurants that seek to have a restorative impact on the planet through offering dishes that have less meat or lower carbon footprints or use local and seasonal produce. Check out the website, thesra.org, for more info on that. And on there, you can even find brilliant recipes provided by these restaurants, which can help you eat not only healthily, but more responsibly. And for those of us who might still work in large companies or large organisations, let's try and change workplace practices. Now, sometimes it feels as if we're not able to achieve very much on our own. But when big business and organisations get involved, then we can see bigger changes being affected. If you have a workplace restaurant or canteen, ask for alternatives to disposable cutlery. Ask and push for food to be sourced from sustainable sources as locally as possible and with as low a carbon footprint as possible. Ask for more meat-free dishes and raise awareness of the massive impact food has on our planet. When big companies and organisations make a commitment to do something like this, they like to brag about it. And then their competitors take note and do likewise. But everything we do, no, no matter how small, as we heard, makes a difference. And these are differences that can have an impact individually and locally and start to bring about changes nationally and globally with far-reaching influence. There is so much more that I could say, so many more ideas to consider, and we've only looked at a few of them. But organisations and initiatives such as those on the screen, the Sustainable Restaurant Association, One Planet Plate, Food Save, Sueetable Life, these can all provide much better information than I can. So why not take some ideas from them later on today or this week when you get home? Look them up on the internet. There are great ideas on our carbon fast Lent calendars as well, things to inspire you during this week and beyond. Because everything that we can do makes a difference. But above all, we need to consider how everything we do, and in particular this week, everything we do related to our food, is done to respect God's creation and to glorify our God, the creator of all. <laughs>